Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of More Than Meets the Eye by Karen Wittemeyer. On today's episode, I'm joined by Karen to talk about More Than Meets the Eye, being a historical romance nerd, and how a former California girl found her way to Texas. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and at Instagram by following at Real Vixen. And welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. We're brought to you today by Ravel and Bethany House Books, publishers of the new book by Karen Wittemeyer, More Than Meets the Eye. And I'm so excited to be joined by Karen today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so thrilled to chat with you about this book. It just was so sweet and charming. Um, But before we get started talking about More Than Meets the Eye, I was curious if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I live in Abilene, Texas, and I'm actually a transplant from California. I grew up um, out on the West Coast in a small little town um, and then came to Texas uh, to go to college. I came to Abilene Christian University when I was 18 years old and uh, met my husband, and we got married and stayed in Texas. We actually stayed in Abilene, have never left. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so I just kind of adopted Texas. It's home now. It's where I have three children. They've all been been raised here so I really feel like Texas is is my home and that's one of the reasons why all of my books are set here is because it's kind of my adopted homeland absolutely it's like well it's right what you know you know <laughs> right was that a hard transition for you coming from California to Texas especially to Abilene Yes, I, I think, I mean, of course, the being away from home and being, of course, this was before cell phones mm-hmm. and internet and all of that. So um, just being completely on my own without my, you know, built-in family security system was a challenge. But it was also kind of exciting to, you know, be on your own for the first time and, and try to spread your own wings and, and that kind of thing. I, I joke that my, um, the biggest transition was just getting used to having no scenery. Cause <laughs> That's pretty, very true. It's, it's very pretty flat. flat. There's no trees there. You know, West Texas is not known for its scenery. It does have gorgeous sunsets, though, so I have to give it credit for that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I live in Dallas, so I have driven through Abilene quite a number of times. Yes, there's not much to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Do you get to go back to California a lot to visit family, or do they come to see you instead? I really don't get out there very often. Um, Not probably, let's see, a couple years after I got married, my mom actually um, moved to Austin. And so um, we're all, all of our immediate family is now in the Texas area. I still have family out in Oregon. And so I try to get out there once every five or plus years. It's, it's, not an easy trip mm-hmm. <laughs> to make, um, but I do I do try to get out there every once in a while to see grandparents and cousins and things like that. Oh, that's so cool. So, Karen, um, were you always a writer, or is that something that came when you were in college or later with your um, as you were kind of figuring out what you wanted to be when you grew up? I have not always been a writer. I've always been a reader. I was one of those little bookworms that went to the library and came home with a stack of 12 books oh, and just yeah. hid in my room, read, <laughs> read, and read, and read. So I've always loved story. But being an author kind of seemed, I don't know, it was it was like, you know, really big, important people do that. I, I could never do that. <laughs> and so it was one of those things where I enjoyed daydreaming. I never actually wrote stuff down, but I would, you know, if I didn't like the way a story ended, like a movie or a TV show, I would daydream my own ending and make it a happy, because I have to have a happy ending. So okay. <laughs> I'm the same way. I Dude. always want to rewrite. If I don't like a story, I always rewrite it in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so I was, I was a daydreamer. I was a reader, but I never really thought that I would write. Um, I was always a really good student, though, and my teachers always, uh, you know, praised my writing and said I, you know, I was gifted in that area. Um, but it wasn't until probably um, college that I started thinking about maybe someday I might actually try to do that. But it was still just a far off, you know, I, I'm too busy right now. I don't even know anything about, you know, writing fiction. I've only written academic papers and stuff like that. Um, but then um, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, uh, my, I have three children, and my youngest wasn't even a year old yet. And my husband found out that he was um, his position was being downsized, and so he was going to be losing his position. And I had this moment of panic of, oh my goodness, I need to do something to help contribute to the family income, you know? Mm-hmm. But I still want to take care of the kids and all of that. Here's this bright idea: I'll write a book because <laughs> you can make lots of money really fast by doing that, right? It's right, because big important people write books. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite naive. Uh, so it took me six years to actually sign my first uh, book contract. But that was the spark that kind of made it turn into this fuzzy someday dream into, no, let's actually see what it takes to do this. And so I started reading books on craft. I started, I joined our local Abilene Writers Guild. I found um, American Christian Fiction Writers Organization online. Um, I started going to conferences and workshops. And it just, it kind of built from there. I ended up getting a job um, at Abilene Christian University, actually, and um, have worked there ever since. But I've also been doing the writing as well. So I kind of have two careers that I'm juggling at the same time. But it was kind of that moment of uh, terror, I guess, mm-hmm. that kind of sparked, sparked the need to know this needs to actually happen now. Wow. So do you do you teach um, writing now or are you in a different uh, field? I do not. Yeah, I'm actually on staff. And so I, I work in the registrar's office and I'm in charge of the catalog. So I'm, I'm doing editing and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's in a nonfiction format. Um, I have done some guest speaking in some of the um, creative writing and English classes that we have on campus. Not real often, but every once in a while. And that's kind of fun to be able to interact with students that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's so interesting, too. Like that, that It's always fascinating to me, that spark that gets the writer going. And were there books that inspired you? Like um, Not necessarily like your craft books, but authors that you were reading that you were like, this is the kind of story I want to tell. And then maybe did you stay in that direction or did you go in different directions? So I can't really point to one book in particular that was kind of like the magic, Mm -hmm. this has to be it. But even from the time when I was little, I always um, felt drawn to the historical stories. So I, you know, grew up with Little House on the Prairie and Anne of Green Gables and those kind of stories. When I got older, I started reading um, some of the the wagon train uh, stories in the romance market and stuff like that. And I knew that if I ever wrote, it would have to be historical romance because that was just what made my heart happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why spend all this time and effort writing something if it doesn't fill that, that place inside Absolutely. of you that just, you know, longs for that. So it, it was just kind of all my life, I knew that was what attracted me. That was what got me excited about getting lost in story. I, I think some of it is kind of the, the fairy tale effect, you know, the big dresses and the, you know, a long, long time ago kind of storyline. Um, so I knew I wanted to write historical and I've never really had an urge to try another genre because that's just kind of home for me. Yeah. Well, I'm curious because um, I always ask this with authors who write historical if you read in your own genre while you're writing. I do. 
it, because I'm such a historical romance nerd, I pretty much, that's all I read. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I do. I read both in the general market and the Christian market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love getting ideas. Um, I get a lot of ideas from reading other people's books and just having this little spark of, hmm, what if, and then taking it on a completely different tangent and, yeah. and spinning it into something that becomes my own. But oh, That's so cool. Well, and especially since your books are set in like, um, you know, historical Texas, and then you being a transplant from California, what sort of um, research did you have to do to get, I mean, other than living there, what kind of research did you have to do? Or was it really just kind of being there and having access to, um, you know, having access to the landscape of Texas? Well, there's a lot of research as far as the historical pieces of it. You know, I have to research all the different occupations that my characters do. I have to research the time period as far as what, you know, what transportation was available, what inventions had come around yet, what still was waiting to be invented that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of, of... research that way. Um, but I do, I don't get to do it all the time, but I do like to visit, um, where like the general area of where I'm writing if possible, um, just to kind of get, you know, a physical view of the landscape. It, things have changed and right. we have a lot more mesquite everywhere and it wasn't always that way. And I'm learning little things from the locals about, you know, things that i you know, haven't been here my whole life, so I don't know. <laughs> so it's always fun to talk to someone who, you know, they're fifth generation. They, you know, their parents and grandparents and great grandparents have lived on the same ranch, and you know, that's that's kind of invaluable stuff that you can pick up on. Um, with more than meets the eye, which is your newest book, and happy uh, happy book birthday. I know that came out uh, two weeks ago, so I know that's yes, always very you. exciting. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the book? So uh, I wanted to play with a couple of different ideas with this book. Um, I really wanted to play with the idea of family, and I wanted to make it um, non-traditional family bonds that brought these um, siblings together. And so um, I had an idea of um, putting these orphans together that have been overlooked and rejected. So a lot of books recently, I think Jody Headland has a great series going about orphan trains. Um, and so I I have an orphan train in my book, but it's only in the prologue. Um, It's where these children meet. So they are being taken to Texas and um, being put up to adoption um, to the families out there that most of them are farm families that are looking for um, people to work on their land, uh, but also to provide stable homes and that kind of thing. Um, And so I found, I, I found a, a town in Brenham where they were going to be going, and I aimed at that direction. But I wanted to say I want these children to not feel wanted, to feel rejected, to feel mm-hmm. like you know they don't have a place where they belong. And so, um, I, but I wanted to make them each individual in, in why that was the case. So the first one, the oldest one, um, his name is Zacharias, and he kind of becomes the big brother of the group. Um, he has. Um, a lot of painful history and he has a big chip on his shoulder and he does not want to work a farm. He like has a lot of trauma in his past from mm-hmm. a, a family member who was very cruel to him on a farm situation. And so he, he wanted to do everything he could to not be um, adopted. And he was very big for his age, strong. And so of course everybody wanted him to come be on their farm. And so he, he was like, there's no way I'm going to make myself very belligerent. I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to threaten you when you sleep, you know, that kind of thing. He'll do whatever it takes to make sure nobody wants him. And then you have this poor kid named Seth who um, is a sweetheart, but he is um, asthmatic. And of course, back in those days, they didn't have a lot of treatment for that. And so he was very pale, very sickly. Um, He was coughing all the time. He had a hard time catching his breath. He would not be someone that 
they would want to have come work for them because they're wondering if he's even going to make it through the winter. He's just in such bad shape. And then I have a little brother and sister um, who are together, and the brother, um, he he has a lot of offers, but the sister has two um, mismatched eyes. So she has heterochromia. She has one very dark brown eye and one very vividly blue eye. And so back in this time period, of course, there was a lot of superstition. Um, there was a lot of just... Um, unease about anything that's different Mm -hmm. and so um because of her mismatched eyes nobody wanted her because you know there was you know maybe she's a witch or maybe right (laughs) something supernatural or unnatural right and so uh of course the brother didn't want to be separated from her so you know he he kind of took uh zach's advice and and kind of played that off so that he would not be uh, adopted either. And so anyway, it goes through and the, the orphan train that they are on derails and the, the children all bond together and make their own new family. And then they have, they decide, you know, they want to, don't want to let anyone break them up. And so they run away so that they can be their own family. And then the story picks up again once they've uh, grown up and, and they're all older. Wow. And so like, and then what's great about these books is that they're also, you, you, the heart of it is the love story and the romance and and these people finding not only they're making their own sort of orphan family, but also finding the love and building their own families. And for, for you, as you were creating more than meets the eye, you you say that family is so important with these characters. Um, Was it hard to kind of find the right um, mix of personalities and traits to complete these characters and, and, fi- and their wrap up their love stories. It was challenging. So I wanted to make them each unique. I didn't want them to all, you know, kind of be carbon copies of sure, each other. Yeah. So I had to give them each their own, you know, strengths and flaws and, and find ways where they needed each other. So it was, I couldn't make like the older brother. Okay. He was completely self-sufficient. He could do everything on his own. He needed the others. Um, otherwise it wouldn't work. And so they all had to be able to contribute something. And then when I threw the hero into the mix, who of course is not a member of this family, <laughs> um, you know, he had his own agenda that he was trying to pursue. And it just happened to be that, you know, he, he believed, that Zacharias is responsible for his father losing his farm and losing his life, and so he's out for what he calls justice, but in his heart, it's really revenge, and he has to work through that whole issue of, of learning to let go, because he finds um, Evangeline along the way, and um, so he ends up he thinks he's going to use her to get close to Zacharias. And he, of course, he ends up falling in love with her along the way and has to readjust his priorities. You know, is this really, is justice in his mind, you know, really the main thing or can, can love come in there and soften some of that hardness that's in his heart. Um, So it, it was an interesting play on, on that as well as I really, I have this one point in the story where, Logan is so frustrated, and the reason why is because Evie has always looked up to her big brother, right, because he's the one that's always taken care of them, provided for them, all that, Mm -hmm. and so Zacharias is the hero in her story, but in Logan's story, he's the villain, and so how how does, how could one person both be hero and villain, and how do you make that, you know, work (laughs) so it was it was fun to kind of play around with those ideas and yet challenging at the same time it's an interesting way of twisting the trope you know like i I think that that's um and it, it makes the reader connect so much to those to those characters because we can relate to them and find something um completely identifiable in each of them 
Right. I hope it kind of helps open people's eyes up, too, as they're looking at other people to realize, you know, you may be seeing one side of this person, but there may be a whole nother side that to somebody else, they may be their hero. And you just because you're blinded by the one thing that you see, you can't see that other side. Karen, one of our last questions that we're going to have is I'm curious when you have free time because, you know, you're working, you have your kiddos and you're (laughs) you're writing books and um, doing anthologies. I just talked with uh, uh, Judy or Jody Hedlund the other day and. And I saw that you guys did an anthology together. What do you like to um, read, watch, and listen when you have listen to when you have uh, free time? So free time is a very rare commodity right. for me, <laughs> but I do find ways to sneak in a little bit here and there. Um, so I'm currently, I'm actually in the middle of reading uh, Mary Keneally's The Accidental Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fairly recent release. I think it came out a month ago. Um, really enjoying that. Of course, she is, you know, my my genre of choice. Mm-hmm. I've got the, the Western historical. And then the next book in my um, to-be-read pile is uh, A Defense of Honor by Christy Ann Hunter. Christy and I are, are great friends, and I love her. She kind of has a lighthearted style that's similar to mine, and so we get along really well. And we actually have a um, th- anthology coming up uh, in October. It's going to be a Christmas um, anthology that I'm really excited about being able to partner with her yeah. uh, for the first time in that project. Do you? Um, is this your first Christmas story that you've told? It is, and I've been wanting to do one for a long time, yeah. so I'm really excited about it. I bet you are. It's going to be really, it's a fun idea because um, we're, we're bringing in um, different generations. So Christy writes the first story that's set in England, and then her people uh, immigrate to, the, to America, and of course they have to eventually find their way to Texas so that I can write a story. Of course, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Sarah Loudon-Thomas, who's going to write a story based like in the, the late 50s, I think, and then Becky Wade is going to do a contemporary story. Story. And so it's it's following this family heirloom that gets passed from generation to generation, from mother to daughter. Um, and so it's going to be really fun to see how um, how readers enjoy going through all the different generations and getting not just one time period, but several different ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited because I love um, I love Becky Wade's book. So I'm like, that is such a great. Uh, partnership all four of you I think that's going to be so it's going to be fun we we had a lot of time a lot of fun uh, as we were brainstorming ideas and, and all of that so I, I'm looking forward to that coming out that's so cool so um for your anthologies and I know I've been like spitting off in a different direction but I'm curious does um the publisher come to you guys or do you do you like find the authors that you want to write together with and then write and then come up with the story and then go and then approach Revel or Bethany House and see if it works for them So all of mine um, have kind of been at my instigation. And the reason why is because I write really slow. Mm -hmm. And so I can't write two books a year. I can can barely write one full-length book and one novella is the (laughs) maximum that I can write in a year. Um, But with these novellas, I've tried a couple of them that were just standalone e-novellas. And they didn't do as well because a lot of the Christian readership really likes having a physical book and having something that's full-length so that they... You know, the bookstores will carry it and all that. It really seems to be more marketable. And so um, they've really been trying to move me in the direction of doing more anthologies. So I started off with um, my Archer Brothers series with Short Straw Bride and Stealing the Preacher. I really wanted to tell another Archer story. That was how the very first novella came around, because I wanted to tell Neil's story. And so I found um, some other authors that were also within Bethany House, uh, Mary Keneally and... Um, Regina Jennings, I think, and I think the first one had Carol Cox in it as well. And so we all came together and we um, we created this anthology. We had kind of a matchmaker idea that played a role in each of the stories. And so it kind of 
grew out of that. So every time I have a novella that I want to write, it's like, okay, who can I get together that will help me make this anthology? And we've had several, like I've been in uh, anthologies with uh, Mary and Regina several times, and we have this new idea for this Christmas one where I was able to kind of get some some new uh, partners uh, that I'm excited about. And I'm hoping we have, we just signed a contract for another one um, coming out I guess another year uh, in the future, which will feature um, Harvey Girls. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Tracy Peterson and Jen Toronto um, and Regina Jennings again are going to be in that one with me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. Oh, that sounds so cool. I love the story of Harvey Girls. Like I'm my, my mom is a big history buff. And so whenever we would travel together growing up, she'd always talk about the the different like Harvey Girls or the Howard Johnsons. And so it's just like, yeah, it's really cool. I I love that. There's still ways of keeping those stories in people's, um, eyes and minds when history has passed beyond us. Yes. So Karen, um, since our time is coming to an end, this was such a great chat, but I'm curious for you, how can readers um, find out more about you and stay in touch with you? So um, the probably the easiest way is to go to my website, karenwittemeyer.com. Um, I have um, information on, um, on there about different blogs that I'm a part of, but also one of the things that I really love for people who are fans, I have a Facebook group that's called The Posse because it's got that Western flair, mm-hmm. um, and there's a way to join from my website as well as if you just search The Posse um, on Facebook, um, you can request to join, um, and it's really, it's, it's a community, it's grown into more than just you know, fans of me talking about my books. We we do a lot of fun stuff. Like at Christmas time, we exchange handmade ornaments. So we we all kind of pick a partner and we we send an ornament out and we get to have an exchange that way. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of a. a spring and summer coloring art projects so like those adult coloring book pages one of our members um, actually designs those and she's been uh, posting letting us post one uh, per week and we've been all coloring and kind of meditating on the same bible verse and then sharing our thoughts and our pictures with each other at the end of the week so we try to do fun things that kind of help build community as well as of course talking about books and and fun things that are going on in each other's lives and that kind of thing that's awesome. Well, it's such, it's such an, I, I love the communities that build around books and especially around romance novels. Cause I think that it's something that, um, women just, we need a community to be able to talk about the things that we consume and, and it's really, really always wonderful when the authors participate in that community as well. It's been a real blessing to me. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it, awesome. every minute of it. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your um, for giving me your time. This was such a fun interview, um, and I am so excited for our readers and listeners to learn more about More Than Meets the Eye and pick it up. You guys can get it anywhere books are sold. It's also available on Amazon and uh, Kindle, iTunes, everywhere. Uh, thank you again, Karen, and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. to extend my thanks again to Karen Wittemeyer for joining me today. You can find more about More Than Meets the Eye anywhere books are sold. You can also stop by freshfiction.com to read a review. Thank you to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Karen and other Ravel and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, and even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. Until next time, guys, I'll talk to you soon.